Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. I think it would be remiss of us not to mention the events of the past week. Um, as all of you know, on Thursday, the Queen, who was in power on the throne for 70 years, all probably most in here of our lifetimes, we haven't known anything else other than her as Queen. And whether you're into the monarchy or a royalist or not, You've got to honor a life well lived. And she was our queen. And, um, and what a lady. 70 years, 96 years on the earth, 70 years as the queen, and not one scandal. In a day when scandal seems to populate society and populate our churches, and leaders fall through all kinds of things, we've got to honor this great lady. Um, the, the queen kind of special to me because every time I seen her she made me think of my mum she had the same hairdo um, her and my mum had the same hairdo and so I, always, I never ever saw her uh, but I didn't think of mum of course my mum was the queen of our home and um, she was the queen of the nation and the nations beyond but I just wanted to focus her hearts and then we're going to do a minute's silence um, just in respect to her and um, and prayer for the family. Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah the writer says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. King Uzziah reigned for 52 years, not 70 years, but he reigned for 52 years. He was a good king. And then under his reign, Judah grew and populated. He was one of the um, great kings of Judah. Alas, he, he fell at the end. He got proud. Pride filled his heart and he died a leper. Um, but um, by and large, he was a, he was a great man. And I, I thought, you know, in a moment of national instability, you know, the queen who has reigned for 70 years has died. Her son, who is now King Charles III, has taken over, and the questions rally about, will he be a good king? Will he match up to his mother? Um, all of that. In the midst of gas prices going up 50%, in the midst of people wondering how they're going to get through the winter, how they're going to pay their food bills and their oil bills and all of that. In the midst of national crisis, when the king who had been on the throne for 52 years died, Isaiah had a great idea. He lifted his eyes and he looked to heaven. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And can I say to you, in this moment of national instability, can we lift our voice and our eyes to heaven? and see the king upon the throne, not the king of England, but the king of kings, who is in all and over all and through all. So um, I'm going to pray for the family, but before I do that, I'd love us just to, to stand and um, observe a minute's silence. Can we do that, please?
So Father, we just want to say thank you for our queen. Thank you for her life, a life well lived. Thank you for the dignity and which she carried out her role. And Father, we just thank you for the impeccable character that she displayed. Thank you for her 96 years. And as we've said, not one scandal. And God, we just want to say thank you for her. And we want to take this moment to thank you for her family and pray for her family. Well, the nation has lost their queen. They have lost their mum and their grandmother. And so, God, we, we lift this family to you in this their hour of mourning. And it's not maybe like any normal death where it'll be over in a couple of days and they'll try to readjust to a new normal. And we know that the um, national claim of this will drag on and on and on. And so, God, for that, we just ask you to bless them. Lord, we pray for our new king. We pray for King Charles III. And Lord, we just ask you that you would um, bless him and that you would give him incredible wisdom. And Lord, we say it with the, from the bottom of our hearts as we sing our new anthem. Um, every time we sing it, may we declare it by faith. God, would you save our king? God, save our king. And so God, we just lift him to you, we pray. And Lord, we draw our thoughts even closer to home right now. And we think of John Guy who will, um, part of our family here, who will bury his dad at two o'clock this afternoon. And Lord, we just lift the Guy family to you. We ask you, God, that you would be gracious to them and kind to them at this time in their hour of loss and of mourning. So God, we exalt your name and we lift you over it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave's going to come up and he's going to interview Jan and Kerry and then sort of land our... our, our our theme, and then uh, I'm going to come up off the back of that for 10, 15 minutes. And um, while he's coming up, there's a little video. We're running into All In Sunday where we're trying to recruit um, in this new sort of academic year. And the first one is youth. So we'll be doing this each week. There will be one of the ministries, a little short two-minute video. And this week, Robbie and Ryan are recruiting for youth. And Robbie's on the video. Watch that now, please. Our young people are growing up in times like no other. Emmanuel Youth exists to support and journey alongside young people through all that they're facing. We aim to meet young people where they're at, to explore faith, to introduce them to Jesus, and to disciple them into people who will be uncompromising in their pursuit of Jesus. Ezekiel 47 talks about a river that gets deeper and deeper and brings life everywhere that it goes. This river represents the life-giving presence of Jesus. And our hope is that through our different environments, our young people would leave you further down the river than when they came to us, bringing the life-giving presence of Jesus to the places and spaces that God would lead them. So I just wanna give you a quick overview of what we do in Emmanuel Youth, in case you're unaware. On Mondays from 8 to 9 a.m. before school, we have prayer and pancakes. After school on Monday and Tuesdays from 3.30 to 5, we have drop-ins. We run youth life groups bi-weekly. Our main youth nights are Friday night. Um, we have Vital that runs from 8 to half 9 for first to third years and Collective um, that runs from 8 to 10 p.m. for fourth year to upper sixth or 18s. Vital Sunday is our youth space that runs during our morning services. And we run different events like Youth Grow um, throughout the year at different points. So as you can see, there's a lot going on and Ryan and I can't do this on our own. We already have some amazing volunteers, but we need more. We need you. So if you'd be able to help out at any of these environments, that would be amazing. But our main area of need right now uh, is our Friday night environments in Vital and Collective and our drop-ins after school on Mondays and Tuesdays. The task ahead is big, but it brings lots of opportunity and we are excited. It's a joy and a privilege to invest in this next generation. It's so rewarding, it's super fun. Uh, you don't have to be young and hip, you're not too old, and also you'll get to work alongside Ryan and I. So please get involved.
There we go. So if you needed a good reason, because you can work alongside Robbie and Ryan, that'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Um, so off the back of the service, maybe as you watch that video, we're going to be showing videos each of the weeks, as Phil said, given an opportunity at the beginning of October to sign up for wider teams and these ones again as well. But maybe as you watch it, you're thinking to yourself, could I, is that the sort of thing that I could potentially help with? Off the back of the service, down at the back, you'll see the big whiteboard. It's got a massive, massive wording on it saying sign up. You'll not miss it. It's like size font 1,000, I think, down at the back. So down after the service, Ryan is going to be there. Robbie was uh, on the video. Ryan is going to be down at the back. Uh, and you have an opportunity to chat with the guys, not necessarily to sign up. It would be great if you could today. But uh, just to get chatting and asking any questions, these are my friends Jan and Kerry, uh, who are part of our church family here in Lurgan. Um, and today we just wanted to get an opportunity to interview them while there's many of the different environments and programs that we run in church. It's one thing being able to talk about them, but it's better to hear some stories from some uh, people within our church who've been impacted by them. So firstly, for everybody, maybe people who don't know you, introduce yourselves, will you, and explain what you do in life. Hi, I'm Kerry, and I'm a self-employed nail technician. I work from home. Um, four kids between us, two girls and two boys, aged 20, 15, 14, and 10, so busy, busy. Yep. Hey, my name is Jan. Um, for anybody that wonders where the name, name comes, I'm from Poland, and I've been here now 17 years this year, and um, I work in the fire service. Yeah, I was saying this morning, so this is this is Fireman Jan, uh, who is, is up with us. <laughs> if, you, if, you want, if you want to know anything about fire service, you can chat with Jan about that. Yeah, but for, for some of you guys, obviously the journey that you've been on faith-wise, I suppose is why you're here, we wanted to unpack with you just for the rest of church. Kerry, firstly for you, um, journey with faith, engaging with faith, one of the environments we run is Alpha. Alpha was a significant beginning point for you. Why don't you talk about your own journey of faith? Yeah, so I'll give you a bit of background. I didn't come from church family at all, so I knew nothing. Um, but I just really felt from my early teens that God was calling me, but I genuinely wasn't listening. Um, I've been in and out of Emmanuel a few times, just never stuck with it. And I was just like, what am I going to do here? So in my job, I had a few people come along my way. I just really was like, no, you need to go back. So I really threw myself in, I came to Emmanuel, I just stuck with it, I came by myself. Um, Jan wasn't really on a journey with God then, so I just threw myself in, and within a few weeks, Alpha was advertised, and I was like, I'm going to go for it, I may as well have nothing to lose. So I went by myself, didn't know anybody, and I was so nervous. Um, a few weeks in, I was like, where is this leading me? And I knew I really, really wanted to get saved, but I just, I was like, I'm not good enough for this, you know, I don't pray, I don't do this, I don't do that. You know, I can't do this. And I had a chat with Dixie, and Dixie was like, girl, this is a journey. <laughs> you don't need to have it all together. So, so Dixie, who puts on the bravado, this is really what he says to people <laughs> in the background. Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So we had a night in here. Actually, it was, um, Mike Andrea was here, yeah. and he had a fantastic night. And we all came up the front, and that was the night I gave my life to Jesus. And that was the night my life changed. It was just unreal. Um, so I led on to do Grow. Um, just because I didn't know anything about church and I really need to know, understand grace, what all those things were, the fundamentals of being a Christian, um, just even the practicalities of life. So I did that twice. Um, and obviously with COVID, it was on Zoom and I didn't like it. So I was like, I'm going to do this again. And I invited my husband along. Well, I encouraged him to and he assisted. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's 100%. But uh, my journey is very, very different. Um, I was brought up in the... In a Christian family, in a Christian church back home, uh, we went to evangelical church, very conservative. My parents, God-fearing parents, you know, always lived their life by God, trusting him, done everything by by his word. Like, you know, so we, we were brought up, my, uh, we were brought up in, in a church, in a, in a Christian family, in a Christian environment. Um, but it was always very much for me about the rules and regulations. That's what I was always taught, and um, this is how my life always was. Um, set up on, you know, it's just the whole Bible and how we live is rules and regulations. Um, um, especially when I moved over here 17 years ago, um, I just started moving away from God and it was a very conscious decision of, of, from me to move away from God and try what this world has to offer and just go, you know, well, see all the stuff that is in the church, I want to try everything else. I want to see what, what the world has to offer. And I stepped away from God and I'm, I, 
don't shy away from saying it. Like, you know, I consciously stepped away from God and just living my own life and what I wanted to do and without anybody telling me what, how I should live and what I should do and what I can't do and all this. So, um, but this is where our journeys are very individual, very different, but we came to the same, to the same point. And as Carrie says, when she went to grow the second time and she encouraged me, I just went for support. I thought, you know what, what else, you know, what harm's gonna come from it? Like I'll come and support my wife in, in her journey. And tell us more then what happened off the back of that for your own personal journey. <laughs> so you like, you left us on a cliff edge there, so. That was good. Dramatic pause. What happened next? The grow was life changing um, for me. Um, we started coming, and after the first couple of sessions, like we've started having really great discussions, really, really great um, debates about different things, and. Um, Grow really changed my life, and um, changed my life to the point, you know, I went back to basic stuff. I went back to the basic stuff of grace, of mercy, of justification, of sanctification. But I went away from away from the rules and regulations and started to know the living God, mm. the God that fills us every single day and leads us through his Holy Spirit and really starting to live by that. Yeah. Rather than by said and see all the rules and regulations, then you know they become easy. They're not. They're just their their joy and their peace and their fun because we want to live how God wants us to live. It. It's not I, I have to. It's a, I want to because I want to please God. Brilliant. And so both of you, like just seeing your journey for for you both and individually, but even for your marriage as well, Kerry, that's been it's been pretty significant over the last like the last year or so. Massive. You know, I've seen it like. Ephesians 5 really, really resonated with us because it was just like our love changed for each other. We always loved each other, but it was just that different type of love. You know, where the wife submit yourself to the husband and the husband loves the wife just as Christ loved the church. You know, that was, we had an encounter one night in the prayer room and this was really real for us. So it was just, it was just a mark in our time. It was fab. Amazing. And I, I would say for both of you being here, a big part of the reason why this has happened is your willingness to step in yeah your willingness to engage mm-hmm. uh, which is significant for all of us you know as as we watch and just obviously grow is restarting again at the end of september um so it's uh, towards the end i think it's the 26th i think it's on fill the the screen if you want to put it up there the graphic for it 26th september grow down and grow up is beginning at that point and then off the back of grow like you these guys kept their grow group together and have now invited them into your home you now run a life group with them so just very simply as we close for grow life group things like this which we mention all the time what's your encouragement for people in terms of taking that step, stepping in and engaging with some of these different environments maybe they've never tried before? Like I said in the first service, just go for it. You know, you have nothing to lose and you're not going to know unless you do try it. But you know, Jesus' disciples were the ones that sought after everything. They didn't wait for everything to come to them. So if you want it, just go for it because you'll not regret it, honestly. I think for me personally, you know, growth has been, like I say, life-changing and really taught me a completely different different side to God and, and to what it means to be a Christian but you know through grow you learn how to be a Christian first of all and then how you grow in, in being a you know a disciple of the Lord and then how you, you grow out in it you know and, and how to go out there and be a disciple and that's what God wants us you know but grow has been so fantastic as well for us um, as a couple because we've met and we have you know fantastic people in our grow group which then transition into a life group you know, and it's great because church, like coming on a Sunday, can be very unwell- overwhelming when there's so many of us here. And especially when you're new, you don't know who to talk to, or you're not sure what, you know, who's going to speak to you, or who's going to say hello or not that, you know, so it can be overwhelming. So we found it, you know, with the group we have, we have a, a absolutely fantastic group of people from different backgrounds with different stories. You know, but we all come together and we can all pray for each other and we can share about stuff that we go through. and we can support each other you know and, and we have some fantastic um meetings and, and prayers and, and you know god has you know answered prayers as well that we've we've all you know prayed together for them you know so um definitely it is but i i encourage anybody especially when they grow either if you're new and you want to learn and, and you're just starting on your journey with god but if you've been there 20 30 years and maybe you've you've 
step back a wee bit, or maybe you've, you're thinking, what is this all about? You know, go back to it. Go back to the basic things because, you know, there's yeah. no point diving into the heavy theology and everything. It, it's just go back to the basic about what God is and he, what he wants us, wants us to do, and, and it really can be life-changing. I think we've got some preachers here, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's great, isn't it? Let's give Jan and Carrie a round of applause, can we? It's, it's just been a joy journeying with these guys over the last year. And can I also just say, if you've never tried any of Carrie's bacon stuff, that she, she, is, she is just, her tiramisu is just out of this world. So good enough reason as well to get to know them. All right, let me just take 10 minutes before Phil comes up. Um, I want to set the context of the new theme, the new series that we're starting into between now and Christmas. The theme, you probably might have seen it on social media, is around this concept of Generation Next. Uh, and this morning, I guess, I wanted us to explore well, what do we actually mean by that? What is it that we're saying? What is it that we're not saying? Let me just say this just at the very beginning. I'm going to read as much as I can off this so I stay. Um, don't go over time and I hit what I need to hit with this. But let me just say this at the beginning. We recognize this. The journey of faith should never be one that is just simply based on comfort or wanting to simply remain as we are or where we are. Let me say that again. The journey of faith should never, ever be based on comfort or out of a desire to remain as we are or where we are. If the decisions that we simply make are based purely on what feels good or what feels comfortable, what we miss out on in the life of the church is the excitement and the experience of what it is to truly step into a journey of faith. Faith looks different. And you all might experience that in different ways. I know rather than going into the full story of it again, but for me, even for me and Laura and the kids, this has been part of the journey over the last year and a half, especially for us where it just felt like we're in the moving and the shifting even houseways and not knowing where we're going and sensing, but just being able as we look back and reflect, well, there's moments and times when it was tough and it was hard. We can look back and we can say it has been so worth it because now what I have and what we have is a reference point of our own that we can look back at and be able to see this was the moment when we in faith believed and how God moved. And you know, the beautiful thing that I recognize is that even for us here in Emmanuel Lurgan, while there was lots that happened throughout the week, it wasn't the right time to be posting or to be celebrating this, but during the week on Thursday past, we turned 26. <laughs> 8th of September, 1996 was the beginning point of church. Turn around to someone and say, happy birthday, will you? People sitting beside you. There we go. <laughs> happy birthday, Phil. Um, those, all those years, 26 years ago since Emmanuel began. But here's the truth and the reality of it is that ever since that point, and for us as a church, we, we've had those moments and those reference points of our own that we can look back on. Those moments when we can look back and we've seen God moving and as we've stepped out in faith and we've believed and trusted in God, these are now the moments that encourage faith for us when it comes to the next step. That's what we, we really want even for ourselves, even as our own individual family. It's one thing that you can look back at at a story and say, wasn't that good? But it needs to encourage faith for the next time that you need it. God has done it before. He can do it again. And God, we're pressing into and believing for the new things that you have. And for many of us, you see, when we don't have that reference point or the expectation of the new, what can so easily happen is that we just grow apathetic. If we don't have, again, that expectation for the new of God's leading hand to guide us forward in big or small ways, we simply just get comfortable and things can grow steel. And yet this is what we really need as the church of Jesus Christ to wake up to, is that we are part of the kingdom of God. There's another kingdom that is at work against us, and we've been chatting about this over the last week. You know, when it comes to kingdom dynamics, we're either taking ground, we're either going forward or we're moving back. There's no such thing, Phil has been saying this to us, there's no such thing as a safe plateau. <laughs> like you go up and let's just stay in this comfortable place 
And so the danger is, and this is where we need to be careful, we can either sometimes make decisions again out of what we simply feel comfortable with or what we've simply known in the past, or we can on faith lean into and depend on God for the new things that he has for us. I love this verse. We use it so often, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take our understanding is simply based on what has been. And yet we sense as a leadership that for us individually, for you individually in your life, and for us collectively as a church, the Lord wants to create in us a fresh imagination, a fresh hunger, a fresh expectation for the new things which he desires for us to experience as a church family here in Emmanuel, Oregon. And this is where it's it all boils down to when it comes to the reality, the truth of it. You'll see it on the screen. The church belongs to Jesus. We are his church. We are his body that outworks his purposes. The church belongs to Jesus. Emmanuel here, we belong to Jesus. We are his church. We are his body that outworks his purposes, not about our own desires or what feels comfortable or what feels normal, but we are outworking his desires. And Jesus speaks to his church. Jesus is speaking to us as his church. In the book of Revelations, we get a beautiful snapshot into the fact how Jesus speaks. And as he speaks in these moments, it reminds us that as he speaks to his church, we need to ensure that we take seriously afresh the call and purpose for which Jesus intended his church to be. So let me just give you a brief example of this. So in the book of Revelation, there's seven churches that he speaks to, right? Here's just three of them. In the book, or to the church in Laodicea, he comes and he brings his message. He says, you're lukewarm. And when it comes to the idea, because it wasn't around a, like a lukewarmness where am I hot or am I cold with Jesus in my walk and my journey. What Jesus was actually speaking into in this was that for them as a church, what they had lost sight of was simply this. They had lost their purpose. You see, in the north, just above Laodicea, there was this place called Heropolis, and there was all this hot water that they would have had, this hot water that was just so desired and sought after, that was so of, you could use it, there was great use to it, and it would have come down these lime-coated aqueducts that would have brought it down to Laodicea, and by the time it made the journey, it was lukewarm, it tasted awful, that's why it was spat out of the mouth. In the south, in a place called Colossae, there was these cold, fresh water springs, and in the north, you had this hot water that was of such youth and such such use and such purpose. You had the cold water in the south, which was of such use and of such purpose. And here in Laodicea, the lukewarmness, Jesus is saying, you've lost your purpose. To church in Sardis, Jesus gives this indication, you've lost sight of your calling. You've lost sight of the calling of this. They had a reputation for being alive, but being dead. And Jesus said, listen, there's a calling that you need to hold on to. At first, to the church in Smyrna, they had forgotten the essence of what was ultimately what it was all about. They had lost their love for God, and they had lost their love for each other. And Jesus, each time he speaks throughout history and times to the church, he's speaking because he wants to reshape and he wants to refocus us in terms of what is the most important things for us to hold on to. And here's the beautiful thing that we know. Jesus is still speaking to us. Jesus is still directing us. And Jesus is still shaping us as his church. Jesus is still speaking to us. Jesus is still directing us. Jesus is still shaping us as his church. And so the invitation that we sense for us as a church family in this season is one and the same. The moments of faith in the past that we can look back on weren't just for the beginning points of our journey as a church, but if we we need to use these to continue to move forward. And if we aren't continuing to move forward, then simply we will grow stale. We will become inactive and ineffective as the people of God and what he has for us. None of us want that, sure we don't. None of us at all. And we sense, therefore, that God is leading us as a church family here in Lurgan to be expecting for new moments. And with that, some new changes. Let me just for a couple of minutes before Phil comes, just simply say this. So in this series, Generation Next, here's what we feel and what we want to press into. This is going to lead us between now through to Christmas time. Um, and perhaps after, we don't know, we're going to try and stay in step with that. But what we're sensing is that the significance of what we want to try and draw out of this is that there's a moment and an opportunity. We sense that this is a reshape, a moment of a season, sorry, of reshaping and of restructuring. 
I, I am in the moment of that just practically myself. We finally got a new house. And like I was chatting to Grant yesterday as well, like there's lots of work you were doing in your house. While the structure can remain, you're trying to reshape some of the things actually so that it works for what you sense is important in this new season for you as a family. And this is what we sense actually is the opportunity for us. It's a moment of reshaping and reorientating some of the things that actually God is leading and calling us for as a family in this season at the moment. And how we're going to do that is between now and Christmas, we're going to be staying rooted in the book of Joshua. We're going to explore the book of Joshua. And from it, we're going to learn lessons from a family that were in transition. We're going to see some of the significant things that God was leading them into. And this is the opportunity then that this leads us into. It's an invitation to the new and the next for everyone. What we are not saying is that in the idea of generation next, it's suddenly move over older generation. There's a next generation coming in. Phil's going to hit this heavy this morning and where he's going to lead into this. This is a moment and an opportunity for all of us. There's a next and a new moment for us as a church here in Emmanuel Lurgan. There's a next and a new imagination for us to lead forward with in this next season. And this is the invitation of the Spirit to us. And here's what I'm realizing, even from, again, my own journey with us as a family. Change isn't always easy, but it's necessary. Moving into a new season requires a process of refining. You can't just simply take what you've had in the old season and bring it into the new season with you. I recognize this, like... I don't have a clue where any of our stuff is. It's spread over five or six different houses. Now we're living with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, and we had to be strategic because I had one shelf to put my clothes on. So it's like, what I really need? And, and each day I've got to unpack my shelf, figure out what I want, and then if I have time to repack it again, although my mother-in-law was here this morning and she shook her head to say, you didn't repack it this morning. I saw it. And in this moment, but it's almost like you're trying to be strategic. What is it that's significant for us to bring with us? What are the things that actually we need to bring with us and create space for the new that lies ahead? It's a process of refining. But what propels us and moves us forward is simply this, and this is the lesson we get from the book of Joshua. What propels us to journey on is the assurance of a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the good things that lie ahead of us. Well, change can often not be easy, but it's the good things that lie ahead of us, and that's what we're expecting for. And so, this is what we sense, the Lord's leading, um, where we're going, where we desire, you know, through it. Imagine if we could see through the new things, the new opportunities, as more of us just play into this together. This is what we're really hungry for. We want to see more people saved. We want to see transformation in our lives individually and collectively as we open ourselves to the new things that the Lord's leading us into. We just don't want to stay where we are. We want to move into all that God has. And here's as Phil comes. This is how it simply just boils down. And every Sunday, most Sundays, this is simply we're going to just land and root ourselves at the very end, with regardless of what we leverage out of the book of Joshua. Joshua gets to the very end. And this, if it's going to happen for all of us, listen, our hearts desire that all of us will just go into the next part of what God is. But for the only way that that happens is when it becomes an individual choice. Joshua finishes and says this, choose today who you will serve. So every Sunday between now and Christmas, Phil is going to come and bring the first message here now. Simply the invitation we're going to leave, choose. There's, there's something the Lord's leading us, but it's choose who you will serve. We can't strong arm you in. For me and my family, we will do things. For Phil and his family, he will do things, but it's choose for yourself what this means. And so it's an exciting season that we're in. We're expecting for all the new that God has for us. And Phil is going to come and bring the first invitation of that to us. Thanks, Phil. Brilliant. Good, good. Um, don't worry, I won't be long. I will finish. We're going to finish with communion as a sort of a response um, this morning. So I uh, uh, just thought it was really important to land why we're doing this because um, we're appealing to all generations. It's not just um, the one generation. It's not, as Dave says, older people step aside. Now it's the younger people. There are two moments in life that really matter. Um, one, one, one of those moments is when you know that your one and only life is absolutely valuable and alive. That's a great moment. The other moment in life is when you actually are at a point where your life, as it's presently being lived, is pointless and empty. Those are two great places to find yourself because they're change moments. And, um, and we need to get into the right direction. And so as we start to unpack 
this story and we'll probably be staying in the first eight, nine chapters of Joshua, although I'm going to jump into chapter 14 and then into chapter 23. So well, I'm going to do something strange for 10 minutes or so. I'm going to tell you the beginning of the story and the end of the story, all right? Um, if you check out, you can check out a guy called Caleb, which is Daniel's middle name, and he's in Joshua 14. And when we're introduced to him in Joshua 14, he is, um, it, it, it could actually be his birthday, actually. Did I break something? Um, anyway, um, when Moses records this, he says, um, I am 85 years old today, and I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. So you have this incredible uh, man who at 85 years of age is still full of strength. And he was referring to a time when Moses sent the spies into the land of Canaan to check things out before the Hebrews invaded the promised land. And when that occurred, um, the first time when they were supposed to go in, Caleb and um, Joshua were just 40 years old. And now 45 years has passed and... um, Caleb was declaring he's still as healthy as he was then. Pretty incredible, isn't it? And so the last thing he wanted to do was buy a rocking chair, a dog and a stick. All right? This guy is um, keeping us healthy 85 years. And uh, I I was thinking about this this week as we, there we go, um, as we mourn uh, the loss of uh, Queen Elizabeth II, we think at 96 years of age, most people would have been retired 30 years. And you think of what she accomplished in the last 30 years. There's no retirements in the kingdom of God. And so it's really important that we understand that. And so I'm appealing to you, whatever generation you live in. This popped up in my feed this week. And um, uh, Snicky Gumble, who was the lead pastor of um, the Alpha Yes, there. And um, started up the Alpha Group all of those years ago. Pretty incredible guy. And uh, he says, I'm longing to see people ordained who, ha- who, who have been trapped by ageism. This thing that, that you think because you're older that you're no longer valuable. And then he says this. He says, research shows that the most productive decade of your life is 60 to 70. So well, give me a wave of, because I'm a nod decade. Give me a wave of nod decade. Oh, it's real funny, all these little, you know, <laughs> and then what about, and then he says, the second one is your 70 to 80s. If you're in that one, give me a wee wave. Where are we going? That's amazing. That's the second one. And then the third one, the third one is your 50s to 60s. Anybody in that generation? 50s, 60s. There you go. <laughs> and um, and he, 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 naturally, he says, the church has, has not adopted to this. Caleb was still as strong at 85 as he was in his youth. So it's really important that we understand this. So, um, so we're appealing to all generations. If you're in your 20s, you know the teens are all out vital. If you're, but if you're teens, if you're 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even if you're in your 90s, there is something for you to do in the kingdom of God. My watch is talking to me. Um, and so what, what I want to do, I, I, I want to talk to you about the beginning of the story. The book of Joshua covers a 50-year period. If you read the book of Joyce, you are covering a lifetime, really, all right? And it's a book about God making good in his promises, which we're going to see. And um, it tells how Israel entered, how they conquered, and how they, the, the, just the conquest of that, and even the divisions of the land, it's all about that. In fact, God's faithfulness is so complete. When you go to the end of the book, you read this. I love this. He says, you know with all your heart, this is Joshua talking, your heart and soul, that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God had give you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. All right? And so the context of this is Joshua now knows he's really old and he's going to die soon. And he's trying his best to remind his people to stay faithful to God and to remind them of the faithfulness of God. All right? And, and so the big question is, can we count on God to be faithful? Well, the answer from the book of Joshua is a resounding yes. God is utterly dependable. We can trust him completely. And so this book is a book for people. If you have prayers unanswered, um, this is a good book for you. Or for those who wonder if God is really alive and active or has, is, is the ceiling a little bit brass and and. You're not getting prayers answered. Well, this is a great book. This is a great book for you. And it's a book about endurance. 
It's a book about how to live in the land of promise. It's a book about how to love in that land of promise. And it's a book about how to keep looking to God in the land of promise, especially when there's a battle or when hardship comes into your life. And so the book of Joshua picks up on Israel's history after the death of Moses, and it carries it through the entry, conquest, and division of the land. It's a story about Joshua stepping into his call, and we're going to look at that in a minute. So, and, and this was a call that, according to human standards, he couldn't have done on his own. And so my question to you is this. Uh, how do you react when faced with something? Of four questions. How do you react with well, probably three questions in a statement. Um, how do you react when faced with something you feel totally beyond your ability to do? What, what, is it that you, what is it that God is calling you to that if he doesn't turn up, it's probably not going to work? What's he calling you to do that if he doesn't turn up and, and put his shoulder to the wheel with you, it's most likely not going to happen? That's that's what I think God's calling us into. It's whenever I'm catching David and Cheryl's eye there and I'm thinking you're called to the south and you're called to, over to the west and you think if God doesn't turn up, that's, inhumanly speaking, it's going to be difficult. But God in his wisdom gives us a call and, and when God gives us something to do, I, th I, think, it's, I, I think this is where we, we need risk takers in the kingdom of God. And... Um, and I think with the churches in the world at the moment, and I'm saying this carefully, but I believe it, I don't think the church is going to exist without a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. I think the church is not going to exist. It's not going to survive without him. Because we can't do this by memory anymore. We can't do it just by the old standards. We're 26 years old, that's right. But we can't do it the way we did it. We can't do it that way, all right? It's different, and we've got to change with this. And so this is a class book. It's a sort of an adventure book, really. I love this book. So when we open the pages, when we open the first page, 39 days before that first page was penned, Moses left camp never to return. He had handed over leadership to Joshua. He climbed a mountain range for the last time, and um, we're told that actually God buried him with his own hands. Pretty incredible story. 39 years ago, they'd been right here where they, where they are now. 39 days ago, Moses had died, handing over leadership to Joshua. 39 years ago, they were right here. They were, they'd spent a year at Sinai getting the law and all of that. And um, then um, God had brought them to this point, but they'd failed to enter because of their disbelief. And God had turned them back into the wilderness. And um, they literally walked around the bottom of a mountain for 39 years and God wiped out a whole generation. That's why he reduced the age to three score years and 10, Psalm 90. Just in case you think it's for today. Actually, James says your life's a vapor, appears a little while and then vanishes forever. That's New Testament. All right, so we misquote when we say, I can't understand that person never got three score years and 10. That's out of context. Psalm 90, Psalm of Moses, the only one he wrote. So that's a little side note. All right, um, but the reason was that these people in, in their coming to the promised land had gathered a load of stuff and they'd, 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 they gathered a lot of stuff they didn't need and forgot the stuff that was irreplaceable. And um, they had gathered a lot of stuff and forgot about the bread, forgot about the bread of life. Forgot, everything became more important than God. And so second question, am I making the most important thing the most important thing? I uh, was at Belfast Bible College on Thursday night. I, I am now an honorary fellow of Belfast Bible College. I haven't a baldy clue what that means, but I am one. And um, I was down at the new principal's induction on Thursday night. And so me and my friend, David McClay, who's the Bishop of Down Dromore, we've been friends a long time. John Dickinson, who's a really good friend from Kernmoney Presbyterian, and Paul and Priscilla Reed. I've known all of these people a lifetime. And we are now honorary fellows of the Bible College. It was good fun. Um, but uh, they were reading out all the things you'd done and all of that. And came to David. And um, somebody asked David the question, how come Willowfield became the largest congregation, Church of Ireland congregation in Ireland under your leadership? How did that happen? And he said this. He said that uh, he had an old professor when he was at Bible college, and he said, this old professor said to him one day, he said, David, whenever you plant your church, he said, make sure you keep evangelism at the top of the barrel, 
work hard to keep it at the top of the barrel because he says if you don't keep it at the top of the barrel it'll soon sink to the bottom that's pretty good advice isn't it and then he says what happens when it sinks to the bottom your church just becomes a structure it becomes a monument instead of a movement and so we've got to keep this as a movement. We've got to keep this. And so are we necking the most important thing? Dave's saying there, we want to see people saved. We want, we want to reinvent um, and see people saved in this house. And so I know it sounds simple, but the crisis has showed us that the natural instinct is to survive. And, and now the only people over 40 at this point are Caleb and Joshua. Then Joshua's a new leader, commissioned three times in the first chapter. God tells him to be strong and courageous, reinforcing his true call. This story is incredible. Here's my third question. What is your true call? When was the last time you sat before God and said, God, I know I, know, I, know I do this and I know I do this, but what is my call? What is my reason for being alive on planet Earth? If everything else was stripped away, what is the reason? It reminds us how forcibly of how God is faithful even when we are faithless and how loving God is when we are most unlovable and God has called us aside to work for him. God has a job for you to do that no one else can do. He'll always get his work done, but he has a job for you to do that no one else can do. You are unique. You could look at the person beside you right now and say, you're unique. That's true, all right? Some of these are looking and going. <laughs> okay, um, and, and, and I think we're never sillier acting when we forget this fact and we act like we're spiritual orphans and that God isn't sufficient and he's not working all things for his good and for his glory but, uh, and to the counsel of his will because the thing is, he's trying to make us more like Jesus and sometimes we just need set free from our foolishness and acknowledge that God is with us and for us even when we don't feel it and doubt it. And I love the grip of his eternal grace on us as children, a grip on us that will never lose grip. I prayed this over my kids all the time for years. I pray it now for Daniel. I pray it for my grandkids. I pray it every morning. I say, God, I can't hold them all. There's too many of them, but you can hold them. And your grip's stronger than mine. Hold them today in your grip of grace. That's my prayer every morning. Hold them in your grip of grace. And, um, and there's something about that. So when we go to the end of the book, we see throughout the whole book of Joshua that the Lord has demonstrated his faithfulness and his power. And so at the end of his life, he comes up with this great statement and he says, Dave, put this up. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I love that. He's, he's, God has given us this ability to make choices. And, and, uh, and I, I just pray that our declarations will be as bold as the Israelites Whenever Joshua said this, here, here was their response. Sadly, they didn't live up to this. They actually made a mess of it, to be truthful. But here's what they said. They said, we will never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. That was one of their statements. They said, no, we will serve the Lord always. That was another one of their statements. And then another one was, so we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is God. Rah, rah, rah. These were their words. These were their proclamations of, de of dedication. But alas, they failed yeah, miserably. And so the book opened with a brand new leader facing an impossible task, had it been um, to his own strength, but what a legacy, what a leader, a man full of integrity who led his people almost seamlessly as he prepares to slip out to meet the Lord. He says, well, you can choose, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. I love this man. I love him. I, 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 I'm inspired by the life of Joshua. I'm inspired by Caleb and his legendary call to serve God. And it sort of nearly makes me want to sing the words of Luther. I love this here. Um, we do hear this. It says, this is Luther, and he says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, don't worry, I'll not sing it, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Come on, that needs an amen. amen. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, come on. And, um, and in light of that, in light of that, folks, can I say to you, whatever generation you're in, may it empower us, may the light and love of God empower us to love him more than we fear death. May it 
empower us to show up rather than shrink back and we will overcome not by might or muscle but by the mercy and grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We will overcome. You say, Phil, that's all good but we can't do it in our own steam. That's right, we can't do it without him. I've told you this story before and I finish with this. The guys are going to come up and we're going to sing and have communion so if you want to do that. Um, I was actually thinking when Clara was in Keys just as she's coming up, um, I actually have a photo in my phone, if anybody wants to see it, of Claire in the crash in our house 25 years ago. So, and I see Kate down there, I have a photograph of her 26 years ago, there on the first morning. Um, Amy, Debbie, Lisa and Philly, all there, Steph, um, still here. We're still here. We're still friends. We're still worshiping God. There's just something about that. But when Daniel was small, on bin day, he used to say to me, Dad, can I help put the bin out? And we would put the bins out on a Wednesday night. And it was one of those moments, you know, you know, this is a two-minute job that's now turned into a 15-minute job. You know what you do as a dad? You think, oh, but you do it. And, um, and so what I, what I would do, the wheelie bin, you would pull it down to his height. And he would stand in in front of me, and he would hold the handle of the bin, and we'd wheel it to the gate. It was two bins, brown and green, and the one day that was a long process. But um, the thing about it was, he thought he was wheeling the bin, but he wasn't wheeling the bin. He thought he was carrying the bin, but he wasn't actually carrying the bin. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? And I'm letting you into this because I'm letting you into a 70-year secret of Joshua. He figured this out on a hillside uh, overlooking Jericho some 45 years beforehand. He came face to face with, the, the, with this soldier who probably the angel of the Lord was most likely the pre-incarnate Jesus. And he's standing with sword drawn and Joshua says to him, are you for us or are you for the enemy? And um, I love the answer. He says, no, I don't take sides. I take over. I don't take sides. I take over. And so Jesus doesn't take sides. He just rules the world. He, and, and, and what we need to do, we need to understand that the battle belongs to the Lord. And we understand rank and file, and we get in behind him, and we serve God with all our might. He used to sing this in Sunday school. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. There was a little line, and it said, strength for today is mine all the way. And all that I need for tomorrow, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I need to do is follow. Are you up to following him? I kept communion to the end. Dave and I chatted about this yesterday because we would love to do it as a response. And I said this in the first service. I'm going to say it to you too. As we come to take communion, I'd love you to think this little thought. I'd love you to think, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth the rest of my life. Because all of us need to number our days. No matter what age you are, what generation you're in, you need to number your days and know that every day is important. Let's not waste any time because the days are evil, all right? And so let's give ourselves. Let, as, we come, as we come to take communion, we remember that the Lord Jesus actually commanded us to do this. This is one of our sacraments. He said on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that bread. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. He took the cup and he held that cup up before them. It was the fourth cup of the Jewish covenant. And I haven't time to explain that today, which would have made these guys, because <gasps> they didn't use that cup. It was four cups. And they always used the first three. And the fourth one was never fulfilled. It, stayed, it just stayed on its own. They never used it. Jesus lifted that fourth cup. He said, this is the cup. This is the new covenant of my blood that is shed for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death till he comes again. So this is, a, this is an incredible response to finish off our sort of gathering, landing our new series morning. I know we're a little bit over time, but let's, let's do this together. There's two tables at the front, two tables at the back. The baskets are here if you want to give as well but Lord I just pray right now that as we take this bread and this cup God that you would set a fire in our hearts God if it's just been a spark that has went out over the or the flame has went out over the last months or years but 
you know that as you sit here, there's still a spark, there's still an ember. God, as we take communion this morning, would you just pour heavenly petrol onto that spark, onto that ember. God, may it start boil up in us again, that fire becoming alive in Jesus' name. Let's move and remember the Lord together. Thank you. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill Jesus, for our sake, you die. 
Jesus, thank you that you are worth it. Jesus, thank you that you're worth it in our teens, in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Father, thank you that we need you in this. Father, thank you that you partner with us. And Holy Spirit, we just pray 
a freshness and awakening, Father, of that ember, just that that flame lights more and more as we move into this next season. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. And Father, we just give you all of ourselves. Holy Spirit, you are free to reign in every part of our lives and we just invite you in more and more right now. Jesus, we love you completely and we just seal all of what has happened this morning in your great name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.